Hello people, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. How are you doing? I hope you're keeping safe this time and the season. I'm back again on This Dev Life with another interesting guest. You gotta wait to see and hear what we're talking about today. Something you probably do not know if you're in the mainstream developer world. If you're in the Microsoft world, probably you know a little bit about it, about it but not so much. I have this interesting guest who is a professional in SharePoint development. <laughs> okay, he's a professional, he's an MVP, he's a lot of things. Uh, he's a cool guy, I'm learning a lot of things about cameras from him, just in case you want to know. I wanna upgrade myself, but he's a really cool guy, and he's been doing SharePoint for many, 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 many years. I cannot say that many enough on the show today. Without further ado, meet Alistair, joining us from South Africa. How are you doing today? Good now. Uh, welcome to what is your show called, by the way? I, I've kind of sort of, I, I kind of sort of stalked you on the interwebs, right? And <laughs> there's, hold on, let me go find this. This Dev Life is that your show? Yes. That's okay. It. All right. Okay. Perfect. So, so I've never been on. Well, no, I've interviewed devs. I, I don't write code, so let me just qualify that. I don't write code. Um, so before people start going, well, he doesn't know enough about code. I don't write code. I'm, I'm a developer by trade, but, but I don't write code. So yes, uh, my name is Alistair Pugin. I've been working with SharePoint from Tahoe to today. Now, for the SharePoint people that might listen to your show, they'll understand that because Tahoe, when Microsoft releases new products, there's usually a code name, right? Mm -hmm. And then it gets its official name. The first name of Microsoft SharePoint was called Tahoe. It was, you know, they always name it like after mountain ranges or cities or yeah, things like that. Um, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've been working with, with SharePoint since the first, first one, I think it was in 2000, 2001. And, and that's where I cut my teeth on all things enterprise content management, because that's really what SharePoint does. In today's world, uh, everyone sees SharePoint as a content delivery network for Microsoft 365. That's like you people, you kids, right? That's what you see it as. Oh, it's a CDN. I can dump images in there or I can stick a file in there. And, I can do this on fast and I just share a link. <laughs> it's, it's that, right? Our Teams uses it to put files into. That's, that's how people see SharePoint today when you introduce people to M365. Because there's only going to be two products left at the end of the world, right? It's going to be Azure Sentinel for security. It's going to be Microsoft Teams and then Keith Richards and three cockroaches. At the end of the world, that's where you're going to see, right? And Keith Richards is going to be sitting next to a cockroach having a conversation and you're going to have Teams and Sentinel running. <laughs> um, that, that's where we're at. But yeah, SharePoint's come full circle, I think. I think the technology stack has come full circle, but we'll jump into that in a bit. Mm -hmm. Well, very nice to meet you. Uh, so for kids like us who probably wonder, it started around 2000. Some of us probably were not born then. Well, I was born then. I was, I think, in secondary school when SharePoint started. Uh, but of course, I've worked with people who do SharePoint. I've done a bit of API integration with SharePoint, but not so deeply. And of course, I wouldn't tell you I know jack about it because I don't. I just know it's a very cool thing and it's the backbone of almost everything that runs M365. Talk of your teams, your file management inside there, all the groups you create and all those sort of things. It's all those embedding. And 
it's interesting to know that that what I call it product or solution now that powers a lot of Microsoft's modern services is often neglected by people who just come into the industry. I can remember when I was uh, taking coding seriously, uh, I think that was during my internship in 2014 thereabout, and that I was I was in the pro dev uh, team where I was working on the Windows Phone apps, and then we had a team that does SharePoint. I literally ran away to pro devin just because I love C Sharp. Well, I still love C Sharp. And then anything, anything shape on it, be like, no, God, this is too hard. I don't know how these people cope. But now, growing more as a developer, I saw it's actually really interesting. When I see my friends who are now SharePoint developers, people who do a lot of Dynamics 365 and all those stuff, I see they're actually doing really cool things. And I'm envious of them. And I just want to introduce listeners on this show to actually see that light, to see, okay, there's a lot of front-end developers today. There's a lot of back-end developers, people writing all these uh, modern JavaScript, Python, and whatever flavor of JavaScript comes out tomorrow. And then this SharePoint is there. There's not a lot of people there, at least that I know. I see requests that say, oh, there I need a SharePoint developer that does this, this for this number of years. And I'm like, nobody in my circle does this. And then I got people who are pros in this thing who are way, way ahead. I'm like, you guys can pay these guys money. So we want to introduce them to actually demystify what SharePoint is, the things you can do with it, and how you can literally get started with SharePoint development, where to get started and all that. And of course, no other person to do that than you. So what exactly is SharePoint? Just for people, pro devs, who want to know a little bit more about it, or probably someone just trying to come into the tech world to understand what SharePoint is all about. So there's a couple of things, right? Now, Mm -hmm. before the advent of... Office 365, even before it was BPOS, you know, business productivity online services. There was this product called SharePoint that did what we called back then enterprise content management. So enterprise content management made up of eight disciplines, document and records management, electronic forms, business process management, so think workflow, search, digital asset management, web content management, a few other things. But there was eight of them that made up what SharePoint was for companies. So when you wanted an enterprise content management solution or an ECM solution, you would go with SharePoint or any other third-party. Well, we talk about third-party products like it's, or any other product, right? You'd go for a content server, which is open, an open text product. It's actually called LiveLink. There's a whole bunch of others, HP Trim, Trim Tower, FileNet, FYI, um, Documentum, Hummingbird, and a few others. And and they'd give you that sort of functionality, document and records management. So you could store a document like you do with Dropbox and Google Drive. That's how people associate. That's what it did. You can put a document there. You can overwrite it. It's got versioning and it's got an audit trail, right? And then records management came in because you have to keep documents for X amount of time. So you've got to keep it for seven years if it's an invoice based on the legislation in your country. And the product grew. Well, we want to not put content inside of a document. We want to put it on a web page. And that's where web mm-hmm. content management came in. That's why you can access SharePoint through a portal. And the front end looks pretty and you can do things, right? You could do more with SharePoint on-prem in the past than what you can do with SharePoint in the cloud. But for the most part, that's what it was. And then with the products like InfoPath, which was part of Office 2010 at the time or 2007 you had a rich forms engine and then you had sharepoint designer which ran on uh, windows workflow foundation as part of the dotnet framework and you could build workflows 
So you could, they call it composite applications. You could build that. You didn't need a developer to come in to build a workflow that would send a form from one person to another for approval or a document that needs to be approved because it needs to be published and converted to a PDF. You could build those sort of workflows using a product like SharePoint Designer, which was free, and you could use InfoPath as the forms engine for delivering that. And that's now moved into Microsoft 365 with Power Platform. So a lot of work has been done in maturing the technology when Microsoft decided, when they decided that it was time to get customers to move from on-prem to the cloud. And I think that shift has come full circle now. We've got Graph, which is what you're going to be using to talk to all the other services in the back end, and, and that's what you, you're literally going to be talking through the Graph, right? And now with the advent of Teams, and strangely enough, and we'll come back to that in a bit, but Teams uses the same framework that SharePoint does for Dev. Now, when we looked at SharePoint in the old days, you'd literally build a package, they called it a WSP, and you'd deploy that package to your server, and then that package would have all the features built into it, right? So it's like hitting the compile button. But if you opened up Visual Studio and you wanted to start a SharePoint project, when you hit the compile button, that's what it would do. It would deploy, not compile the build. It will build the WSP and you deploy it to SharePoint, and that's seen as a solution and ninja dust, whatever you've built or written for that application that you've built on top of SharePoint, it would then run inside of SharePoint server on-prem. The cloud, however, has changed quite a few things. Getting into SharePoint now is, I suppose, I wouldn't call it easier, but there's a few ways. We talk about the SharePoint framework, SPFX, right? It's mm -hmm. like a movie, right? What was that movie? <laughs> um, there was a movie, there was a bunch of movies about FX, right? Um, I can't remember the name. I'm that old. But you start off with a SharePoint framework. Have a look at what Vesa and the team does around PNP, so patterns and practices, and the PNP community. I mean, it's all available. They have weekly, the M365 dev community, they've got a weekly podcast that they actually put together, and they talk about what's coming, what's new, what's hot. And if you want to get into SharePoint development, I wouldn't think of it as SharePoint development because you – you use the same tool chain and the same framework, or you can use the same tool chains, right? And the same frameworks for when you are building applications for Teams. Mm. So what Teams has done, they didn't go build their own framework. They said, well, let's use what's available to us today, and we use SharePoint to build on top of that. And you can also publish other applications, like Power App, you can publish it to Teams, and Teams has become the new the new single pane of glass into your Microsoft 365 ecosystem. And, and this has created a problem, right? Because there's been a void in the industry. What's happened to all the SharePoint developers? Mm. We, we, we don't know. They, they've kind of disappeared, right? I don't know if they've cross-pollinated into building applications for Teams, but at one stage, roughly about 2013, the world went crazy for SharePoint applications. And Microsoft had a, a, a program called BCSP, uh, Business Critical SharePoint, where there was a ton of developers building applications for SharePoint because organizations were using it for business critical oh. applications. Mm -hmm. and, and that's changed, right? Where are those companies? Where are those people? We don't know. I'm going to start looking for them because there's a ton of work to be done to move customers from on-prem to the cloud. To the cloud. 
So when we look at this framework, we've been talking about SPFX. There's a few ways to interact with it. Well, you can use TypeScript, right? If you want to build on top of that. And then it's got React, Node. Is it got Node? React, View, Angular, and then it's got a, and some handlebars at the end there. And you can use those frameworks to build on top of the SharePoint framework. Well, the SharePoint framework comprises of that. And then you've got a tool, to, well, and then you've got a workbench and a, and a kitchen where you can build your apps and you can actually deploy it inside of your environment and have a look at it. And then it uses a bit of Node and a bit of Gulp to deploy everything to the cloud and how you package that. So you'd use Yeoman to package it, right? Or NPM to package it. And then Yeoman to, to generate what you need. And everyone understands this, right? That this is the sort <laughs> yeah, of cloud native approach, uh -huh. right? Because it is cloud native. You're not coding in C or, well, C sharp. Oh, for you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's native, it's JavaScript, right? Mm -hmm. and, and everything that they're using, and Microsoft has been not only talking about moving this to, the, you know, the cloud becoming cloud native, you're not living inside of a, a, a C sharp world. And it's sort of brought and it's expanded what developers can do now with the platform because you're literally going to go, well, I'm going to choose a tool chain and a framework and I'm going to, I, I'm a Java developer, I'm a JavaScript developer. I know that I can now build application for SharePoint because all I need to do is understand the APIs, right? And I can deploy stuff and a little bit of UX on the front end. What does it look like? Where is it going? It's not an iframe. What is it doing? How do I make it render as a full app? And, and then go through some REST APIs for SharePoint and, and you're in, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and the nice thing about this is that when you're building Teams applications outside of using products like all the Power Automate stuff, you actually go build your composite application inside of SPFX and you change the manifest file and you deploy it to, to Teams. So it's the same framework that you're going to be using because the Graph API, you connect using Graph to everything on the back end. So let's say you want to talk to a database sitting in Azure, right? Boom, in. And you want to capture that using Power Apps and surface it in Teams and whatever attachments are coming through, you stick it in a library in SharePoint. Mm-hmm. Done, right? Because it's it's literally one platform, you know? And it's quite neat when you start looking at where low-code, no-code citizen developers stop and where M365 developers start. Right? I wouldn't even want to call them SharePoint developers anymore. It just mm -hmm. happens yeah, to be the, the name of the framework. Or it's, it's called SPFX because that's where it started, right? And it's been open source. So it doesn't cost you money. And it's now extended into building applications for Teams because Teams is all the rage, right? Mm -hmm. With all the adaptive cards and stuff. So, so I, I wouldn't, yeah, exactly, adaptive cards. So you wouldn't limit, I wouldn't want to limit myself to saying, well, it's just SharePoint development. It's M365 development. And yes, great point you've brought up. Um, you can now suck things in as an adaptive card and you can deploy that anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. I can do a lazy approval with an adaptive card in Teams. I can render that same adaptive card in Outlook and I can push it wherever else right even to yammer and i can respond that way so you can take the extensibility of a platform like sharepoint and pull it into teams 
pull it into Outlook and really take that process that you're working with to where people are working because that's that's been Microsoft's thing, right? They wanted the same UX. They wanted Windows 10 on, on well, not on your phone, but they wanted the interface to be, this, well, no, 8.1, right? That interface, that's where they started because Xbox got the tiled experience, Windows Phone got the tiled experience, and your desktop got the tiled experience. So they want to mm. give you the same experience on, on any environment, Microsoft environment, right? Didn't work that quite, but didn't work that well for Windows Phone. And that's because UX, the developers, um, didn't build enough cool apps, right? I'm just going to blame you guys, right? Well, I blame Microsoft and Nokia. Nokia, what they should have done when, you know, they had, what was it, the Symbionize, right? That was what Nokia yeah. was running on. They had 2,000 developers. And Microsoft should have taken 100 of those developers or 200 of the 2,000 that they just gave to Accenture. They should have taken those developers and said, go look at the Android store and go look at the iPhone store and go choose the top 100 applications and come build this for the Windows marketplace. And if they did that, the phone would still be around or the OS would still be around. Anyway, digressing. So how do you get started with developing applications for M365? Well, if you're a developer, you're going to write code, right? So have a look, head over to docs.microsoft.com, Google SharePoint, or just look for SPFX, SharePoint Framework. And it's great what Microsoft has done around putting together what the overview looks like. So SharePoint developer documentation, Google that, we'll take it to the docs page, right? And everything is there. I urge you to have a look at the community and, and have a look at what the community is doing because it'll actually go to pnp.github because everything's GitHub, right? And have a look at, uh, if you head over to pnp.github.io, that's the official M365 community because it's rolled up into the dev ecosystem and everything is there from adaptive cards to the monthly developer platform call. And it's not just for MVPs. Um, there's a bi-weekly SharePoint framework conversation that happens. And there's a whole bunch of other things where you can start learning about Microsoft 365 development. And I think it's important to call it that, not just, not just SharePoint. Not SharePoint not. just happens to be there, right? It really just happens to be there. But that's the nice thing about M365. You want a forms engine. You don't want to build one from scratch. It's called Power Apps. You want a workflow engine. It's called Power Automate. Power Automate. You want a content repository, you've got SharePoint and you want a collaboration tool to consume these things, you stick it as an adaptive card or even as a full-fledged app inside of Teams. And that's your ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's that, right? So use the platform that is available to you before you go build something from the ground up. And I know what developers are like, right? No, but we can do it better, right? Uh, we're going to write, the, we're going to build the application from the ground. That's what we're going to do. I'm not going to use the, the, the workflow engine. I'm going to build the rules engine on my own, right? Couple of logic apps here, couple of Azure functions, boom, it's there, right? I'll build the logic. But have a look at what's available, right? Exactly. Yeah, so, so it, many times, coincidentally, when I think of doing something, I think of an idea, I'm like, oh, that are you a very good programmer. Go write a code for this. I'm like, Nah, cool down. Does Microsoft have an inspiration for this? Does he have REST APIs for this? Go use those tools. Make your life simple. Instead of waiting 15 hours to write a code, I can literally spend two hours wow. with the integration and then I'm done. 
But but that that is the trick, right? Is to understand what's available and understand what that environment looks like and what you can and cannot do, and then build on top of that. Otherwise, you're going to spend ten hours writing some code, then it doesn't work because there's limits. And I think it's important to also understand that when building applications for the cloud, specifically for the M365 cloud, you have limitations. And you need to work within the confines of what is available to you there, right? If you don't do that, nothing's going to work because you're going to waste a lot of your time when doing that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think mostly where I think I tell most people to see M365 APIs of the platform is to see it as something to pro developers, as something they can extend to make the applications more smart and more productive. For example, I don't need to go around writing authentication services for people who use M365 already. I can use Microsoft Graph to authenticate. I can use the Azure AD to authenticate. Things like that just makes me deliver value faster. And I could take that authentication system, use it to build extensions, maybe for Outlook or Microsoft Word or PowerPoint or Excel or pretty much anything in that ecosystem because of course i know that is where my target users are and then i can reach them better and faster that way because they are already in that system and they understand it better if they use that tool i'm developing inside of their own day-to-day -day applications but 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 that is the trick right to make sure that that you know where you're working from and, and it can save you quite a bit of time building applications on top of M365 instead of trying to build it from the ground up. Yeah. And what's nice about it is when you head over to the M365 community at GitHub, uh, there's a huge support infrastructure for what you're trying to achieve. And you're not the only one. Right? We talk about, there was a movie, I think, with uh, Will Smith in it called Six Degrees of Separation. And when you look at the community, we're, we're two degrees of separation. And chances are, if I don't have the answer, I probably know someone that does have the answer, right? And, and, and that's the great part about, about the ecosystem, the Microsoft ecosystem when it comes to what the community does and how you can reach out to people to get the right answers within the right time. Hmm. <sighs> so what else is there, young man? Well, well uh, I think that's about it all, uh, for people to get started, well, we don't call the SharePoint development anymore now. It's M365 development because it's an ecosystem now, not just one tool, because you can literally extend it to a lot of And you go to the yeah. docs, uh, yeah. go to GitHub, all the code samples, the code samples you can think of and the ones you cannot mm. even think of. And they, if you find something lacking, they can actually contribute to it to make it better because it's all open source these days. So you can literally go there and make things work. And one thing I mostly urge folks to do, uh, I think when I was starting off leaving school, I tell people enterprise development is actually really super cool. You can make, well, talking currently now, you can make cool money literally writing for enterprises and not having to, you just have a contract with them. I support this app for you for X number of years. I get my money as long as you're happy using the tools and it makes you productive. I get my money, you're productive, and then that way you can keep delivering value better and faster. Of course, that's just talking about money, <laughs> the money side of things. Um, so pretty much that's it. So uh, it wouldn't be called SharePoint in your in the case of people just going to see it as an ecosystem where you can develop 
rich applications and services that you can extend, especially moving up to cloud. And I want to say thank you, Alistair, for actually clarifying all that for us today. And uh, uh, for people who started coding after 2001, people born after 2001, you know, SharePoint is older than you now. <laughs> so there's a couple right. of things that the one thing we also need to talk out uh, talk about if you want to get started in M365 development, uh, you can Google. Uh, I think it's aka.ms slash what is it? I'll tell you what it is. aka.ms slash train cert poster one word, and it'll actually take you to the well, it was last updated this month. It will take you through to the Microsoft certification pathways or the certification path. And you can actually have mm -hmm. a look at what it takes to be and head over to the M365 column. And there's a developer associate. Mm -hmm. uh, what else is yeah? And that's the only one. I think it's the MS600. MS600 and I urge yeah. you to start with the MS900, which will give you an M365 fundamentals overview of what it actually looks like and then head over to the developer associate. There are other certifications coming in the next six months that's actually going to uh, talk a bit more about the rest of the platform because it's been through quite a bit of a revamp. And mm. go do MS900, do PL900 because that's the Power Platform's fundamentals. I'll give you a view into that and then come back and actually have a look at, at what the developer associate course looks like and it was actually updated the exam was updated the 24th of september so it's fairly new as well so it's got all the latest content in there and have a look at what did they actually measure so they talk about working with identity because that's the first thing you're going to do you need to auth against the user and understand how you and either instantiate or impersonate a specific user or service account to perform a specific function right and then you start looking at the extensibility around going through Microsoft Graph, SharePoint, Teams, and then the rest of Office, like Script Lab and a few other things, right? That goes straight into Excel, which is quite cool. I, I am extremely excited. I think Adaptive Cards is, is definitely the place where you want to be because, and it's about the users, right? Mm -hmm. Because the biggest thing we have, and when we do M365 migrations, moving customers from on-prem into the cloud, it's all about the user experience and the user adoption, right? Mm -hmm. Now, customers enjoy living inside of Outlook. Not, they don't know what Teams is, right? They, they might know what Zoom is, but they don't understand collaboration. So they start their journey in Outlook, and sticking an adaptive card into Outlook is one way of easing users into adopting new technology. If you look at what OneDrive does with co-authoring and all of those things inside of Windows File Explorer or File Explorer or Windows Explorer, whichever one, I don't know when they changed it to File Explorer. I opened up Windows Key E and all of a sudden on the top it says File Explorer and I didn't know if that was the actual name or is it still Windows Explorer, right? Uh, it was just Explorer. Probably some Windows update just changed it. I think it's from Windows 10 era. No, no, no idea. <laughs> but look at what the, the extensibility of what they've done with OneDrive and how OneDrive can assist you. And then also how Teams works, right? Are you building an app for Teams? You know, and then publishing it as a tab or to a channel and having a look at what the app ecosystem looks like inside of Teams, right? Because eventually you're going to move your users to start consuming 
teams because of all the collaboration features. Everyone's sitting in a meeting inside of teams. If, if you don't know what teams is right now, you probably only lived inside of, that's, you know, teams and Zoom. Yeah. Zoom is for late night quizzes when you're drinking wine and teams is for when you're working every day, right? Although there's probably, there's, there's quite a big population that's going to disagree with me completely, right? No, we use Jira and Atlassian. Well, we use Jira and Confluence, right? And chances are those people, and Slack, those people obviously use Zoom. They don't use Teams. Um, and and what's nice about, about how everything plugs in, if you're going to do DevOps and you're using Azure Boards, mm -hmm. all of that connects in through via Teams as well. Exactly. So you get that rich functionality. A good friend of mine, Dustin McDonald, um, built a really cool Teams app, right, that talks that, that actually integrates into a timesheet system, a timesheet management system mm. using adaptive cards. Very, 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 very cool. And any supporting documentation would be thrown into SharePoint. So, yeah, it's, as much as I'd like to say that you're actually going to become a SharePoint developer, chances are you're going to become a Teams developer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the other thing. So if you look at the team stuff, right, um, so let me see. There's some cool stuff that you can actually do inside of meetings now because that they've opened up that API, right, where you can actually build apps inside of Teams for Teams meetings now. Mm. And that's magic. I think that's the, the, the next place that you want to be in is having a look at the extensibility into Teams meetings because hybrid work is real, right? Mm -hmm. so, yes, become an M365 developer associate. That's the official certifications. And then have a look at the extensibility into what you can build inside of Teams. That would be my suggestion for anyone that wants to get into the Microsoft development or the M365 development ecosystem. Is start with, with MS500. It gives you a layout or it gives you a layer of the land of what's available to you in M365. Have a look at PL900 because that talks about low-code citizen development and it'll also give you some rich visualizations through Power BI and then there's also some RPA inside of that because it's got virtual agents because everyone wants a bot, right? I want to talk to the bot. The bot can go do things. And then from there, then once, you've get a, once you get a proper view of what's available to you, head over and go do MS600. And that should be good. Okay. okay, so there you have it, listeners. Go do that MS600 after you've checked out how to write your bots and how to do all the cool things integrating teams, adaptive cards, and making your users more productive. If you're pro coder, low coder, no coder, or you haven't experienced coding at all, it's a very good place, especially with the PL900. It gives you rich insight into actually how cool developing solutions is with literally writing literally no code or just a little bit of maybe LOL world code inside of it uh just kidding maybe you don't want to write code. maybe you would but of course you have that introduction to get started with the m365 platform and then it is really exciting to get started thank you very much alistair for this episode i want to say thank you very much for demystifying all the things behind well sharepoint m365 and how folks can get started with developing and getting their career in that line if it's something they want to do. Uh, do you have any final words of wisdom for new kids? <laughs> for the new kids, it's a, a new new dawn has come, right? I like the new Dune movie that's coming out. Uh, Microsoft has come full circle. 
And they have come full circle with providing that sort of uh, full fidelity, full trust platform. And then also go have a look at what you have because security compliance and identity just wraps all of this up, right? Mm -hmm. Which is quite neat. And on a separate show, we'll talk about what security compliance and identity means because I, I spend a lot of time uh, helping customers with zero trust and all of that. Well, thanks for having me on your show, Dara. How do I say your name? Is it Dara, Dara? Is it like data, daughter? What is it? <laughs> Just Dara is fine. Dara. Dara. Yeah. Well, thanks um, for having me on your show. Um, if your audience wants to get hold of me, you can find me on the interwebs. I'm at Alistair Pugin everywhere. So hit me up on LinkedIn, ping me, DM me on Twitter. I'll happily, if I don't have an answer for you, I'll happily point you in the right direction. And of course, I'll drop all the links to follow you, Twitter, your LinkedIn, your website. And of course, if you do not know, it's got a podcast, Two Guys, One SharePoint, where they talk about all these cool things in the M365. It's, it's old, right? It's it's old. And when COVID <laughs> Rona happened, we recorded an episode, I think about a month and a half ago. And and my co-host, well, I, I'm the co-host, he's the host, right? Rod Modlin. Um, he just couldn't find enough time. Um, in his week oh. month to to actually um, put it together but i'm going to chase him again but yeah come along um subscribe hit what's it hit the follow <laughs> Share, link subscribe hit, hit the <laughs> notification bell right so so if you want to follow me yeah head, head over to regarding 365.com i think i've got the t-shirt on yeah and i generally blog there and you can also find us on youtube as well so regarding 365, that's the easiest way to, to, to find content that we've created over the last however many years. I'll make sure they follow and get all the links uh, all sorted out. So people, that is this episode of This Dev Life. Well, that is not all you'll be saying of Alistair. Nah, 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 nah. Because we got to get into his head and learn about how it gets started in tech. And that is coming up on the next episode of This Dev Life. So stay tuned. Stay safe and goodbye. Ciao, ciao.